तस्मै हेलो एंड वेलकम टू साइलेंट विजडम ऑनलाइन सत्संग सत्संग इज़ अ प्लेटफॉर्म फॉर ऑल ऑफ आस टू कनेक्ट डिस्कस स्पिरिचुअल मैटर्स रिजॉल्व आर स्पिरिचुअल क्वेरीज वॉक टुगेदर एंड ऑल्सो लर्न अबाउट स्पिरिचुअल पीपल सो इट इज़ सो गुड टू डिस्कस सर्टन इम्पॉर्टेंट प्रोमिनेंट स्पिरिचुअल फिगर्स हाउ हैव दे लिव देयर लाइफ वॉट वर्क फॉर देम वॉट डिड नॉट वर्क फॉर देम वॉट वर देर टीचिंग्स एंड टूडे वी आर गोइंग टू डू वन सच सेशन टेकिंग द लाइफ एंड टीचिंग्स ऑफ जिद्दू कृष्णमूर्ति वॉट हैपन्ड लास्ट वीक वॉज दैट इट वॉज बुद्ध पूर्णिमा एंड आई थॉट दैट आई शुड डू द थर्सडे सेशन समथिंग अबाउट बुद्ध एंड देन इट जस्ट स्टक मी वाई नॉट टेक ऑन जिद्दू कृष्णमूर्ति बिकॉज सम ऑफ यू हु मे नो अबाउट हिम ही वॉज ब्रॉट अप एंड ही वॉज ट्रेंड सो दैट बुद्धा कुड कम इन हिम वी ऑल नो दैट वन ऑफ द ग्रेटेस्ट टीचर्स इनफैक्ट द ग्रेटेस्ट टीचर्स दैट द वर्ल्ड हैज सीन सो फार इज अनडाउटेडली गौतम बुद्ध बिकॉज ही हैज ट्रांसेंडेड नेशनैलिटी रिलीजन कास्ट एवरीथिंग वाइल वी मे से दैट बुद्धिज्म इज अनदर काइंड ऑफ अ स्परिचुअल पाथ और अ रिलीजन बट द फैक्ट इज दैट बुद्धा इज एक्सेप्टेड ऑल ओवर द ग्लोब he is seen to be the embodiment of enlightenment the embodiment of the highest truth that a person can achieve in their life and uh, it was jiddu krishna murti who was considered to be the next greatest world teacher a very interesting life and i'm going to share you know some parts of his life with you and then we'll discuss his teachings for me i when i was growing up uh, i saw my father reading jiddu krishna murti so that is where i got introduced to him then one of my cousin buas she was a follower of jiddu krishna murti and i used to be very fascinated listening to her although i didn't understand a single word of what they were talking about later uh, i read a biography of uh, j krishna murti by pupul jaikar it is the most popular uh, book on him and pupul jaikar was his uh, disciple very close associate and she was also a political figure she was very close to indira gandhi and in fact an advisor to her when indira gandhi was in uh, was the prime minister and pupul jaikar served many years as the president of uh, krishnamurti foundation so she is one of those people who had lived very very closely with uh, krishnamurti and uh, she wrote a biography and i'm going to share quite a few things from that biography plus over a period of time of course you know when you develop spiritual interests it naturally happens that uh, you know you explore different people so i have done a little other research and then i have heard about him my guruji who taught me kriya yoga so a lot of things over there and a very interesting life to start with uh, J Krishnamurti was born on the 12th of May 1895 actually if you will check uh, in google it will give you 11th of may but in uh, pupul jaikar's biography it is given 12th of may and i consider that to be you know more valid than what is there on the internet 
and last week last thursday was actually 12th of uh, may so i thought that you know that would have been the right time to celebrate on his birthday but anyways he was born uh, in a village called uh, madanapalli which is in the district of chittur district of andhra pradesh south of india that was on the 12th of may and his mother was again a very spiritual person and she was also a psychic like not only that she was versed in the vedas or the scriptures but she used to have visions and there were things that she saw and when krishna murti ji was a, when she was about to give birth to him it so happened that uh, she decided to give him birth in the temple of their house and you can imagine this we are talking about uh, the year 1895 so you can imagine at that point of time in south of india where uh, the temp- the puja room is the sacred place and giving birth to baby is a very kind of a dirty process right but to her nobody said no otherwise it wouldn't be allowed and uh, she felt that she wanted to give the birth there and once she was ready she felt the labor pains that is where she went and when the baby was born of course uh, as is the tradition in india the next day his horoscope was drawn and the astrologer a very well known astrologer who looked at his um, horoscope he told his father that his son would be a very great man he is going to be a great teacher which the world will know and J Krishna Murthy was the eighth of uh, nine children of his parents and after 3 years there was another son born to them whose name was Nityanand and J Krishna Murthy was very close to his uh, younger brother Nitya interestingly uh, when they were growing up Krishna Murthy had no interest in studies he sh- did not show really any particular inclination to academic work he used to spend lot of time looking at the clouds at ants insects and just gazing into the vast distance in fact uh, his teachers said that he was possibly mentally retarded and uh, he was described as sickly and mentally developed it also so happened because for one year his body was so weak and he was uh, he used to get you know these infections very soon so one for one whole year he could not even go to school comparatively his brother was extremely intelligent but krishna murti was uh, very attached one to his mother and also to his younger brother and his mother passed away when he was just 10 years old that is in 1905 and krishna murti later when he has written his memoirs about his mother he has talked that um, she was the one who introduced him to the mahabharata and the ramayana and the indian scriptures and also to the theosophical society and to any besant uh, i'll talk more about any besant as we continue plus uh, his mother used to see the souls okay she had this psychic vision where she could see those who had passed away in fact uh, one of his uh, sisters who had passed away he said that she used to come very regularly to the house and the mother used to talk to her and the mother even showed krishna murti how to see her and initially he used to get very scared because of course he was a very small baby he must be what 7 or 8 but later on he could also see her 
and when his mother passed away at 10 he has mentioned that uh, he could see his mother for a very long time uh, and whenever he used to go to school or go out the mother used to accompany him and he used to see her actually so this was a little on uh, krishnamurti's childhood now when we discuss about krishnamurti jiddu krishnamurti it is very important to know about the theosophical society it was madam blavatsky she was a russian and uh, she lived in tibet for many years in close contact with the tibetan lamas the mahatmas and the masters uh, of the occult brotherhood and there she learned from her guru the tibetan sage well guarded doctrines you know like uh, the secret uh, texts which are not taught to anybody they were taught to her madam blavatsky and she later on also wrote a book called uh, in fact it's a series of books called secret doctrine uh, very interesting so that is you can consider that to be the bible uh, of theosophical society which has influenced a lot of people when after studying in tibet she got a message from her masters they guided her to meet another person named colonel henry steel alcott okay who was a psychic researcher in the united states and because the masters had asked her she went and uh, met him they got together and they decided to start the theosophical society and this theosophical society was actually set up in india she was a russian he was an american they were being guided by the tibetan sages and it was set up in india so their head office is in adyar madras it is still there it was in 1882 now this theosophical society when they set up it was the purpose of theosophical society uh, the purpose was to study ancient wisdom to explore hidden mysteries of nature to discover latent powers of man establish an occult hierarchy using hindu buddhist and tibetan tantric teachings and eventually to prepare for the masiha the world teacher at that point of time in the late 19th century and early 20th century there was a lot of talk among the occultists where they felt that uh, it was time for the great world teacher to arrive like after buddha and who is going to teach the world who will be someone who will go beyond religions nations and everything and whom the whole world is going to listen to and they were talking about that so actually even when uh, madam blavatsky set up this theosophical society it was all all these things are there but yes their main purpose was to prepare for the world teacher and uh, theosophical society mainly is an occult tradition okay in fact uh, it is said that um, the best of the records and the best of the scriptures in the occult field are in tibet but now because of chinese invasion nobody knows you know where they are and what has happened to them and after that the best scriptures the best library of all those uh, occult text is in the theosophical society in madras that is where it is at that point of time all of you i'm sure must have heard about any besant and uh, any besant actually was a very prominent figure uh, in um, in uk 
and uh, someone who was uh, very powerful, extremely organized, extremely good organizational capabilities. Plus, she had friends like uh, Bernard Shaw and uh, very dedicated. Plus, someone who was uh, passionate about freedom of thought, women's rights, unionism. So, uh, someone really, really well connected and um, very influential. And she happened to read this secret doctrine by Madame Blavatsky, which changed her life. It turned her life completely 180 degrees. And just after reading that, she immediately went and uh, met Madame Blavatsky. And the moment she decided that this is what she wanted to pursue. At that point of time, in 1893, she traveled to India. And you know what bothered her when she came to India? Because she was so amazed by what uh, the secret doctrine had told her and after reading her that what all possibilities are there in India. She was extremely disappointed that in India, nobody is interested in those, uh, you know, spiritual pursuits. A country which is a genius for the spiritual knowledge, they have no idea about it. One of the, her first uh, lectures uh, in her speeches, I want to share some excerpts from there. And she said, if religion perish here, it will perish everywhere. And in India's hand is laid the sacred charge of keeping alight the torch of spirit amid the fogs and storms of increasing materialism. If that torch drops from her hands, its flame will be trampled by the feet of hurrying materialism eager for worldly goods. And India, bereft of spirituality, will have no future but will pass on to darkness as Greece and Rome have passed. And, you know, one of the people who got influenced by her speeches was none other than young Jawaharlal Nehru, who was only 12 years old at that point of time. And after listening to her, uh, he went to his father, Motilal Nehru, who was already a theosophist. He uh, had already taken uh, initiation in uh, theosophy from Madame Blavatsky. And uh, so when Jawaharlal Nehru went to Motilal Nehru and asked his permission that he wanted to join Any Besant in the Theosophical Society, so he was given that permission and Any Besant herself initiated him into uh, theosophy uh, at the age of 13. But of course, you know, later he got interested in politics, so he left all of that. But that is how powerful and influential she was. And because of any Besant, lot of other intellectuals, lot of the significant people in India joined Theosophy and became interested in the uh, spiritual things. Any Besant did not only stop there. Can you imagine a lady who was completely into materialism, running things? She even studied the sacred books of India. She learned Sanskrit and she would uh, have... A, regularly visit Varanasi, meet people, meet all the saints there, have discussions with the religious leaders of the land. So her uh, main uh, mission of life became, of course, one is to promote theosophy, but also to promote spirituality in India. In between, uh, Madame Blavatsky had uh, left her body and uh, then uh, any Besant, because uh, she was like so passionate about this whole thing, she took over the Theosophical Society after her. And uh, she came in contact with a psychic uh, who was very well known for his uh, powers of clairvoyance, 
who could see in the future, who could see in the past. And his name was Charles Ledbetter. So she took him on. And it was actually Charles Beter who discovered uh, Krishnamurti. And this is also a very interesting story. So as I shared with you, it was uh, Krishnamurti's uh, mother who had introduced him to theosophy because uh, both her parents were theosophists as well. Now, when Krishnamurtiji's father retired from his job, he applied to any besant in Madras for uh, you know some work post his retirement, and uh, he was accepted. He was given a job there, okay, in the Theosophical Society. And of course, the two boys, the, all the other children, but specifically here we are talking about Krishnamurtiji and uh, his brother Nityanand. They were also there uh, in Adyar. And they used to go every day to a beach to, uh, you know, to the sea to have a bath. And uh, Charles Ledbetter also used to go over there. And that is where he spotted Krishnamurti. And when he looked at him, this boy and his aura, so it is not about looking at the body, right? But he was looking at the aura. He was amazed to see that. And uh, he told any besant that... Uh, you know, we have been talking about the coming of the Masiha, the great teacher. I think I have found him. And uh, then not only uh, led better, but of course, you know, there are some uh, other people as well in the uh, Theosophical Society who were psychics and because they were doing all this research on the occult. And they would come and just watch Krishnamurti playing with other boys uh, near the sea. And the investigations revealed amazing past births of Krishnamurti. They found that he had been a disciple of Buddha. He has lived many lives as a teacher. And uh, he had an aura of complete selflessness. There was no selfishness at all in his aura. So after doing all the investigations, in fact, uh, when Ledbetter said that he is the one, so he was asked how big he will be. So he said very big. So somebody asked him, will he be as big as any besant? He said, even bigger than that. So that is how it happened. So once it was confirmed that uh, Krishna Murti would be the next person, although there were two more other uh, children who were taken. Okay, But since we are talking about Krishna Murti, we will just stay focused over here. So uh, his father was contacted and uh, then... Uh, Krishnamurti and his brother Nityanand because Krishna ji wouldn't uh, go anywhere with the, without his brother. So both of them were adopted by Theosophical Society and uh, their training started. So initially they could go and meet their family but later on even that was stopped. They had to stay completely uh, with them. And that is where uh, it all started for uh, him that the training to be the next great world teacher. And it is said that uh, during those times, you know, when Krishnamurti ji was very small, he could read what was in closed letters, he could read people's thoughts, he could see people, he could see fairies. He has amazing abilities, but he was never bothered about them. And it was like, you know, whereas others would be getting amazed, he found no significance in them, even as a small child. Then five months after he was accepted by uh, them to be the next great teacher, uh, it was decided that their uh, initiation should happen, you know, in the, the Theosophical Society. Before that, I also want to mention over here that uh, while they were doing investigations uh, on Krishnamurti ji, that whether he is going to be the next one, 
any besant was visiting as i shared with you she used to meet a lot of people in varanasi the great saints and she was also in touch with swami vishudanand and uh, he was one another amazing uh, saint and an amazing person from the occult field who was in connection with uh, you know what we called uh, gyan ganj and she even uh, checked with him and showed him the pictures and he also confirmed vishudanand ji is also confirmed he's also known as gandh baba he's also there is a mention of him in autobiography of a yogi and he also confirmed that yes he is he is the right person over there so within 5 months of his uh, coming to the theosophical society it was decided now that krishna murti ji would be initiated and his initiation was not going to be a simple one you know very interesting now see theosophy or the theosophical society is all about the occult field and in occult it's not all uh, only about the people who are there in the body okay there are connections with the um, with the astral world with the saints who are there okay uh, with the other lokas and uh, in theosophical society also there was a hierarchy of course down over here it was any besant and charles ledbetter who were running the show but then of course there were people above them so on the day of the initiation uh, charles ledbetter and krishna ji both went in their astral bodies to the other world for him to be initiated where of course they had another hierarchy and um, where he also met uh, it is said that buddha Met, uh, metreya so not buddha but metreya that is another uh, you know one of the bodhisattvas now it is supposed to be like uh, something you know a very very beautiful experience for krishna ji when he has mentioned about it and in fact uh, he has also written a book one of his first books was at the feet of the master okay when he was very young he has written that and uh, you could all have a look at it and after he was initiated this is at the age of 15 uh, j krishna murti after being initiated and accepted by the masters so this was a little on uh, his life and how he came over here now after the initiation the kind of experiences and quite a few of them are mentioned over here but i want to specifically specifically call out a couple of the experiences what uh, krishna ji has written uh, in his own words and he writes over here i had the first most extraordinary experience there was a man mending the road that man was myself the axe he held was myself the very stone which he was breaking was a part of me the tender blade of grass was my very being and the tree beside the man was myself i almost could feel and think like the road mender and i could feel the wind passing through the tree and the little ant on the blade of grass i could feel the birds the dust and the very noise were a part of me just then there was a car passing by at some distance i was the driver i was the engine and i was the tires too as the car went further away from me i was going away from myself i was in everything 
or rather everything was in me inanimate and animate the mountains the worms and all the breathing things all the day i remained in this happy condition see you see what a beautiful experience is written is shared that he saw himself in everything which was there and everything was him then he also talks about like the lake i felt that my physical body with its mind and emotions could be ruffled on the surface but nothing could disturb the calmness of my soul the presence of the mighty beings is with me i am supremely happy for what i have seen nothing will ever be the same again i have drunk at the clear pure waters at the source of the fountain of life and my soul is appeased never more can i be thirsty never more can i be in utter darkness i have seen the light i have seen the glorious and healing light the fountain of truth has been revealed to me i am god intoxicated there are of course many experiences men any of you who would like to uh, read more about him you can read the biography and this but i'm just sharing certain excerpts from here so he had the experience of you know what we say you are in all right that oneness now the interesting part of uh, krishna murti's story starts see the theosophical society as i said is an occult tradition and they have a lot of literature they have uh, people over there who are doing experiments and work and why was it set up one of the main things for them was to prepare for the masiha the world teacher and what were they doing a lot of training was given to uh, krishna ji during all these years he was being trained by the best of the psychics he was being trained not only on the physical plane but also on the astral planes and he has shared many of his experiences over there and then you know a time came when uh, krishna murti ji again shared that uh, uh, i know my destiny and my work i know with certainty that i am bending into the consciousness of the one teacher and that he will completely fill fee, uh, fill me i feel and i know also that my cup is nearly full to the brim and it will overflow soon till then i must abide quietly and with eager patience okay so when he has written that to uh, anybesen and uh, the idea was actually that once krishna murti ji is ready so see for buddha the whole see this is all coming from the tibetan tradition okay tibetan occult tradition and they believe that if there is a right body which is available okay a right body is available and if the soul of that body can leave then the buddha can come into that body you get it so the whole idea for preparing krishna ji was to prepare that body where this and he was already trained right trained to leave his body trained to move into astral planes and everything so the idea was that he would leave and buddha will arrive into it because buddha can only arrive into a perfect body a perfect body 
uh, which can hold you know like how uh, you can say how sensitive whatever his body is the astral body would be only that kind of a body was required so he was being trained for that and after you know all these experiences that krishna ji shared any besant made a statement to the press worldwide and she said the divine spirit is ready to descend on a man called krishna murti who in his lifetime is as perfect as is possible the world teacher is here so everybody was waiting that uh, you know the world teacher is going to now come here and there was a camp which was organized many people were uh, in fact invited uh, you know the people from all over the globe had come over who could uh, listen to him and it was supposed to be the biggest movement for the theosophical society imagine for all these years ever since madam blavatsky set up this uh, thing this was going to be the movement and that is the time when finally the time came and a session was being a camp was being held in holland and that is where uh, krishna murthy ji declined to leave and he actually declined the whole theosophical society he parted away from it and he said that if a buddha can come into this body what is in this body is also the same you understand it is the same and he refused that i am not going to leave the body and go and he also refused that i am not the great teacher i am not the guru this is the most interesting part and it is kind of said that uh, only krishna murti could have said it anybody else would have because the whole world was watching if any besant if theosophical society has prepared you and you are going to be the one then it should be that way right and anybody would want to be in that particular space but not krishna murti he just refused and declined and you know all in fact to a shocked audience what he said was the buddha the christ have never claimed divinity it was the disciples who by their worship give divinity to the teacher so this was the great movement where after that theosophical society of course exists and they still have all the literature but it was a big blow to them now the interesting part is while krishna murti ji declined the whole uh, uh, idea what theosophical society was completely building on but then the people who started following him you know so many people started following him because of that it is even said that at one point of time any besant wanted to close the theosophical society she had decided and um, it was a big blow to her and she even but she recognized that what he was and she told him that i would just like to spend my life you know sitting at your feet and learning from you but that also krishna ji denied he said no nothing doing and while all of this controversy of course was going on because everybody is waiting for them to be uh, for him to be the great teacher and he is denying it so you know what he said he said i have only one purpose now and my purpose is to make man free to urge him towards freedom to help him to break away from all limitations because that is all that will give him eternal happiness and he said i am free i am unconditioned i am whole not the part i am the whole truth 
and those who seek to understand me see this is the important statement he said those who seek to understand me need to be free please do not follow me you need not follow me and not to make a cage out of me which will again become a religion a sect so don't do that but be free from all the fears that was his one of the most important uh, messages in fact that he gave so he has talked a lot about being free from fear from all the limitations and he's also talked about authority he said people generally are so accustomed to authority and they think that that is what will lead to spirituality and uh, you think that there will be some extraordinary powers which will transport you to eternal freedom which will happen but he says your whole outlook is based on authority and you need to be free from the authority you need to be free from all the fears including the fear of authority that is one he's talked about and then he has talked a lot about being free from uh, the security so as you can imagine uh, the more a guru says you don't need authority you don't need to follow me check your own ideas check your own mind and don't follow anyone so many people followed him so many people it so happened also and he was he was one person who was completely against gurus and it is very interesting you see because if you see he himself has been trained by so many gurus uh, there was led beta there was ani besant and of course from the astral plane there were so many gurus who were guiding him and he has also written as i said one of his first books was uh, at the feet of my master where he's talked about those gurus but the moment he understood and he started speaking he was against the complete he was completely against gurus and in the spiritual circles of course you know what he has shared his teachings are absolutely clear and straight there is no dilution over there but in the spiritual circles one thing of which he is generally criticized of is that he did a lot of disservice by saying that you don't need a guru because how many people would have the same intellect as krishna murti to be able to understand what he was saying he was against all the practices he has given you know if you hear any of his talks on either meditation or any of other practices he is speaking against them and completely against the guru culture but he himself was trained into them and therefore of course lot of people also loved him a lot because it and especially the intellectuals the scholars most of the people who followed him were intellectuals and they also loved it because they thought okay fine you know now we don't need to succumb to any guru because there is also a little fear na that we need to follow a guru and we need to surrender so we don't need to do that but in following him yes they they could speak about a lot of nice words and it was so beautiful to be with him as a person he was amazing absolutely beautiful was he able to give you a process was he able to bridge that gap where you are and where he is that bridge was not provided so uh, you know those on the path of knowledge can clearly understand now you know when you look at his teachings when you read them in fact it is also mentioned in this biography that he also met uh, anand mahima 
she was a very very popular uh, lady saint in those times and when they met the one question that she asked him and she said that you know why are you against gurus why do you say no to uh, the guru thing and he said because people start using guru as a crutch that is what he answered her and then she said but you are also a guru you are the greatest of gurus so many people are following you they are listening to you and uh, they say that uh, he didn't say anything he just kept quiet after that if any of you have heard uh, osho's talks of course, i have heard quite a few in osho's talks when he's speaking against krishnamurti and uh, even krishnamurti ji has spoken against uh, osho so that was a very uh, interesting thing over there even more interesting thing is that actually as i just shared with you in his life krishnamurti ji had so many gurus right but he told people even until the last moment he passed he left his body when he was 90 but until the last day he was telling people not to have a guru and osho i don't know i have not known in his lifetime if he had a guru i think he is one person where we don't have any guru and osho is the one who says you cannot walk that path without a guru it is impossible there might be just extremely few you know like you can count on your fingertips that many people only of krishnamurti level who can achieve without a guru although he also needed a guru right as we know maybe he may have done it even without the guru but the fact is that he had gurus in his lives so that is the only one criticism that krishnamurti uh, jitu krishnamurti has faced in his lifetime but he was very very popular another thing that i want to mention from his life is uh, so when jawaharlal nehru was prime minister um, at that time of course uh, krishna ji was close to him and after having returned from some of his sessions one of the incidents which is quoted is that he was very depressed and angry and very disappointed with the state of affairs in the country and he asked uh, krishna ji that uh, i don't know what to do there is so much of disintegration over here the social disintegration how do i make for this what is it that needs to be done and you know what krishna ji answered which many of us will immediately be able to relate it so he said the integration cannot happen at a social level the integration can only start at the individual level one individual at a time that is where it happens and he says because there needs to be self knowledge and without self knowledge there is no basis of the right thought or the wrong thought the right and wrong cannot be differentiated unless you have self knowledge and that can only happen at an individual level nehru ji was not impressed with the answer because as a political leader he was looking at uh, some solutions which would immediately transform the country do something good for there but that was there and since pupul jaikar uh, was also present in that particular meeting so that is how she has been able to Uh, share this incident in her in her biography later on uh, now i'm talking about the teachings of uh, j krishna murti one of the things that he mentioned uh, very strongly was he said that first the human beings are looking outside like our eyes and brains register the outward things you are looking at objects people knowledge techniques so on you are going on and he says then the same eyes and brain which were looking outside 
they are trained to turn inward and look at things inside but he said now this is the profound statement this inward gaze is still the outward look and there is not much difference between the two you see so there is an outward gauge and there is an inward gauge but the inward gauge you may feel that you are looking inside but there is not much difference between the outward or the inward what may appear to be different may be similar it is just the same outward gauge which is turned inward and then he says but there is an inward observation which is not the outward observation turned inward there is an inward observation which is not the outward observation turned inward this inward seeing is without the border of time and space and in this flash a new perception is born some of the teachings very important are observer is the observed observer is the observed the last thing that i want to mention of course there are so many teachings there but uh, something that he spoke very strongly about was the freedom from security we spoke about freedom from fear and he spoke a lot about the desire of a human being to be secure and he said the desire to be secure in one form or the other is so dominant that the mind adjusts itself to any pattern that can give it security and safety so what is saying is that the mind is always looking for security and safety and that is where the problem is to understand and to be aware of this desire of the mind to want to be secure is what that brings its own freedom there is security only in the truth that life has no security that is the truth and in that truth is the security i'll just repeat that there is security only in the truth that life has no security and in that truth there is security this was what i wanted to share with you all about krishnamurti and uh, some of his teachings there is a lot of course lot more this is just to give you an outline you can read his books you can follow him you can look at his teachings and it's really really interesting okay ashu is sharing i don't mind what happens that is the essence of inner freedom yes absolutely thank you for sharing that ashu Uh, so this was another incident you know in one of his talks i don't know which one but it was a very famous talk and he was there on the dais and there were thousands of people who were uh, listening to him and then you know he said he said today i'm going to tell you a secret okay and you can imagine like everybody's breath everybody is holding their breath and you know going a little forward to listen to what he's going to say next uh, everybody was waiting and then he said this i don't mind what happens that's it that's all that he said i don't mind what happens that is where the freedom is this is what the freedom is punima is saying knowing that there is no security does not make us secure yes punima uh, 
if you are still on the path yes absolutely it does not give you security and that is what he is saying that you need to hold on to something all of us we need something to hold on to whether it is our possessions whether it is our relationships whether it is our power then it turns into you know our practices or our knowledge or our guru something or the other we need for security right but uh, that's exactly what he's saying you have to cross all of these things eventually you have to let go of everything that you may be holding on to and become absolutely secure in that insecurity punima is saying i think uh, it is to make the mind understand that there is no security yes there is no security but yes it cannot be understood just by looking at this statement isn't it we still have to walk do whatever path that we are doing we have to walk on it if there are certain practices whatever guru that we have taken and slowly and steadily you will come to a point where you will be able to realize this truth for yourself but until then one has to do all those things when krishna murti ji is talking he is giving you the highest truth the undiluted truth but it does not make sense to a common person because until the time we are still mired in our ignorance we are still uh, holding on to many many things including our ignorance including our knowledge uh, we cannot understand what he is talking about so you know many times we keep talking about uh, you know how we have to adjust with the society he also established uh, schools which are really good the most famous is the rishi valley school and uh, when i was listening to sadguru's uh, talk on krishna murti he mentioned that you know how what helped him to know about krishna murti was that he was influenced to put his daughter in krishna murti's school so that is the influence that krishna murti had on his life all right then thank you very much for joining in hope you enjoyed knowing about krishna murti hope it will help you or inspire you in some way thank you so much i'll see you again next thursday